0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Duck's Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Duck's Digest. And we have a big episode for you guys today because it is Georgia week. Oregon is preparing to face the defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. And to preview that matchup, I am joined by Dogs Daily publisher, Brooks Austin. Thanks for being here. How are we doing?
2: I'm doing well, Max. Game week. We finally got here, right? You wait all off season, Feels like it's forever. You know, you get spring practice. It's like a little taste. You get like a month of season, basically. As a publisher, I feel like you get like a month of like, hey, we got to be plugged in, locked in every day, Put you know, putting out, you know, in-season content, and then you go withdraw for another three months, and then it's like, boom, September's here. So, yeah, it's it's awesome that it's here, and it's great that these two programs, unlike a lot, will start with a, a, a big-time game. I mean, most teams are playing Tidewater Tech at this point in the season. If you're not Alabama or Georgia or Texas or Oregon, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think Auburn hosts Mercer this week. So there's there's a lot of that going on. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going on out out in the PAC 12, but here in the sec, a lot of that to open the season. Um, now Georgia gets their taste of it next week when Sanford comes to town. Um, but you know, starting with a, a power five opponent and a top 25 top 15 matchup between these two programs, certainly a big way to start the season.
1: Yeah. Say what you will about the PAC 12. Definitely not viewed in the best lighting right now, but, uh, Hey, at least they're going out of their way, specifically Oregon in this case, to, to you know, f- schedule a big, big time school. And, you know, can't can't ask for a, a better matchup to start the Dan Lanning era uh, of things. Uh, I watched some of your interview, Brooks, uh, you know, with, with Dan. So that was really cool. Um, what, what was kind of your big takeaway from that? Just being able to catch up with him after he's all out in Eugene
2: now? You know, we didn't get a chance to talk about it during the interview, but I think the best thing that Dan's been able to do is kind of went over a fan base that knew nothing about him. Like That's really hard to do. Like, everyone knew Dan was this, like, hot defensive coordinator, but he's not an Oregon guy. He's not even a West Coast guy. This is a, this is a, a, a Midwest guy from Kansas City that, you know, eventually kind of drifted to, to the Southeastern Conference, though he did spend some time at Arizona State. Like, this is a guy that, as soon as he showed up, had to not only win over, you know, famous alumnus from that program, but the program's fan base in and of itself. And I, I think he did a really good job of that, like initially, just getting the job done of, of building relationships within the uh, of the building and within the support base of of what's going on up there. So I think more than what he's done on the field, um, or what he will do on the field this fall, or how good the fit is, or you know what kind of transition they're going to have, things like that. I think most importantly developing the initial relationships that it requires to like I said went over a fan base that knew nothing about you other than hey this is a guy that did really well at Georgia that that was all the fan base out there at Oregon I would assume knew about coach Lanning so uh, just a great job there of of, of initial kind of um, you know first uh, what do you call it? first impressions you know what I mean mm-hmm.
1: exactly I, I tend to be of the same mindset I feel like he's done everything he can without playing a game like done everything has he lost right bush yet uh there, there's been a couple of pressers where he's maybe a <laughs> little bit hoarse but but he uh he always has the energy so uh it's it's been fun getting to see kind of what he what he's like in, in that capacity he's, he's definitely cut from the sec cloth i can tell you that much um but uh, i had a couple you know a couple uh, little topics a couple questions i wanted to get into uh for for this one couple scenarios i guess so I think what I wanted to start off with Brooks here off the top is talk about what a win would mean for each team. Um, And I just, just because we're, we're on the ducks dish podcast, I wanted to start off with what a win over the Georgia Bulldogs would mean for the Oregon ducks. I mean, just saying that sounds kind of crazy after uh, after all the stuff that's happened this off season and, and Georgia coming off of a national championship. Uh, so I'll give my take, but first I want to get yours, just seeing that, uh, you know, you're, you're the Georgia guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, if Oregon wins this football game expectations for that program, I mean, they vault, I don't know what they are right now. I don't, I don't obviously you have much more of a pulse of the fan base that you cover, but what, what are expectations? Are expectations 11 and one PAC 12 championships? I'd like, say at
1: the, at the very least. Yeah. That, because Rose so that, that's kind of, that's kind of the
2: vibe. You know, so Oregon still like, despite that, Utah's, a good football team this year, Oregon's fans are still kind of of the expectations that, hey, this roster is still top 1% in the Pac-12. We should compete for a Pac-12 championship off the rip no matter what.
1: I I think that's pretty much where they're at. All right, so if
2: they win this football game, then yeah, the, the expectations are we better make a daggum playoff. If you beat Georgia to start the season and then you handle business like you think you should based off what you just told me, yeah, you should you should be ready to play in a playoff game at the end of the year, right? If you walk through the Pac-12 and you beat Georgia in a in a, a neutral site game, which isn't neutral, you're in the Southeast. You're in Atlanta, dog. Like y'all y'all traveled across the country. That's a road trip. That's a road game. Um, and, and despite how much they try to get the the tickets even, I would imagine that's going to be a pretty red and black stadium too. So that if that's the opening of the Dan Landing era at, at Oregon. I, I don't fault that fan base for saying, hey, if we can beat Georgia, we ought to walk through the rest of the Pac 12 and we ought to be in a playoff at the end of the year. So yeah, if if that's what happens, then all that it means for Oregon is that expectations are now now. They're not next year, they're now. Um, if you beat Georgia. So which be honest with you, I know we're gonna get into that later. So a lot of a lot of things gonna have to go your way for that to happen, I think, on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and, and I think right now, and for me, I think the the Oregon fan base is at the point. I think they should be at the point where Pac-12 championships and Rose Bowls aren't going to cut it. You made it to the playoff in the, the first year, uh, you know, in it's debut in the 2014, 2015 season. And, you know, Mario, I think took the program to, to new heights, seeing that they were in playoff contention, um, but they couldn't get the job done and you got to be able to prove that you can win these big time games. And George, you know, George is the, the cream of the crop and in, in the sport but what I wanted to factor into this, because I think a lot of people, myself included, tend to look back at this, uh, look back at when we're talking about this game, is that win over Ohio State. No one mm. thought that they were going to get it done over Ohio State, but they were able to get it done. They went into Columbus and, and got that win in the shoe. So how, how do you kind of you know take stock of that, given that it's a new head coach, new starting quarterback again, but they do have a lot of returning production on defense?
2: So do I take stock in the, the last year's win over Ohio State? Like, is, is that what the question is?
1: Yeah, the, sorry. Yeah, let me be clear. The, the question is, you know, seeing that Oregon won over Ohio State last year, h- how much stock do you put in that when we're, you know, previewing this Georgia game?
2: Two things. They ran the piss out of the football against Ohio State last year, if I could believe correctly, right? They, they they had a really, really effective run game, right? Um, so, yeah, if you can run the ball Saturday, that, that goes for anybody playing Georgia at any time. That goes for Georgia last year. If you could run the football against Georgia, yeah, chance to beat them. Or if you have Bryce Young, so but nobody can ever run the football against Georgia. But that this year might be different, right? New personnel. You lost five uh, five uh, first round draft picks for them from the first or from the the front seven, right? So a lot of those guys and two additional linebackers. So there's a whole lot of new faces and new bodies in the middle. If y'all can control the, if Oregon can control the line of scrimmage and run the football. Certainly. That's one thing that they did against Ohio State really, really well last year. The other thing when I watched that Ohio State game last year, I didn't feel like Ohio State made a single adjustment, not one. Not the whole game. They stayed in man covers the whole game. They ran linebackers in and out of the box the whole game. Didn't make an adjustment. That, that kind of stuff doesn't happen defensively against Georgia. Georgia is just like Oregon was last year and just like Oregon will be this year when you have really, really strong defensive head coaches that know how to make in-game adjustments. That kind of stuff doesn't happen. So you got to have a, a change of pace. You got to have a change up. If Oregon can do all of those things, they can run the ball. They can control time of possession. They can keep George off the field. All the things it takes to or it requires to be a more talented football team. If Oregon can do those things, then yeah, they can definitely repeat what happened in uh, in, in Ohio or at Ohio State last year. But they they checked all those boxes last year. They did everything it required. To beat a team when you are the underdog, right? They ran the football effectively. They didn't turn it over. They won the turnover margin. They're like they do all the things that the 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 corny uh, announcer opens the game with. But that's the truth when you, when you're not the more talented football team.
1: Yeah, and, and I couldn't agree more. I think what's surprising though when they when you look at that game is that they did it without much of a pass rush for the most part. C.J. Stroud had the time to just sit back in the pocket and, and do his thing, but. They did come up with some big sacks down the line that, that really kind of proved to be the difference. Um, but they also had a pretty limited passing attack. That was, all credit to Anthony Brown, one of his better games last year. But they weren't doing anything too crazy. They weren't taking the top off the defense, which is something that they're going to have to at least try to do, I think, against Georgia. Because, like you said, you got to be able to pound the rock. And they got their work cut out for them with uh, you know Georgia's defensive line. Jalen Carter is definitely going to be a force. But the ducks do return pretty much their entire starting line, which is a good start.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I plan to sit down and study them for a couple hours today. I've, I've given them an, an initial kind of like scan, um, but when you return four or five starters and, and a lot of, I mean, even the, the the other guy that I believe he's starting at right tackle, he's got a long list of contr- like contributions in game experience. So like you have got a big physical experience front. And that's what Georgia has prepared for. When I talk to people up there and say, hey, what do you think about this team? Because you don't know much about them, right? Their new OC that really hasn't had an opportunity to have 100% control of the offense. If You look at Kenny Dillingham throughout his career at Memphis, it was Norvell there as well. Didn't really have a bunch of touch of it. At Auburn, Malzahn called every play, even though he was the OC. At, at, at Florida State, again, Norvell was touched up all over it when it came to the play call. So like, this is the first opportunity that we're going to be able to identify who it is that Kenny Dillingham is. But if you study all the places that he's been, you know he's going to be run heavy with the quarterback, particularly with Bo Nix. You know he's going to be really, really uh, creative in his design. And you know you're going to get a lot of pre-snap motion and a lot of unbalanced formations is kind of what they're preparing for, I would imagine. That's what I'm preparing for. When I study Kenny Dillingham, that's what I see. And then when I study that offensive line, I see big physical team that has been doing a bunch of counter and pull schemes. If you look at them over the last couple years at Oregon, they've been pin and pull heavy. They've been counter heavy. They've been power heavy, which meant they needed big physical offensive linemen A, but they needed athletic offensive linemen B. They still got that. It's the same thing they need in their new offensive uh, coordinator system, if you will. So I I think the transition from offensive coordinator last year to what you do this year is relatively similar. Okay, There's not a whole bunch of turnover in terms of – now, obviously – Like terminology is going to change, but what they look like, it's not going to be different. It's not going to be drastically different. You're going to see a lot more quarterback run. Defensively, hey, everybody plays 4-2-5. That's what everybody does. Everybody plays 4-2-5. Dan Lanning's a 4-2-5 guy. Mario Cristobal is a 4-2-5 guy. Defensively, Georgia's going to study what they got on tape from Oregon last year. I promise you that. Offensively, it's like, hey, we kind of got to figure out what they're doing the first quarter and then adjust. So you certainly have an advantage there. If you're an Oregon fan.
1: So just wrapping up this point about what a win would mean for Oregon. Uh, you know, you obviously have the, the landing versus Kirby deal. Um, and then uh, a win over an sec team. That's, that's a, that's a big thing at the, uh, at the end of the day that, that Oregon can hang with the big boys. But I uh, just wanted to wrap that point up. Um, and then Brooks, I wanted to throw it back to you. I know that Georgia's the favorite here, but but what do you think a win over Oregon would mean for Georgia starting this season?
2: I mean, just, I mean, they're 17 and a half point favorite at this point. You got to handle business the rest of the season. Okay. So this, this is a, this is the first and kind of only big test on the schedule. I think if you look at the schedule, it's a lot of the SEC East and the crossover games are Auburn and Mississippi state. Like it's not an onslaught. Okay. They're going to be 10 point prohibited favorites in every single football game. If They don't win this one. Hey, that's, that's, that's a rough start to a season. Max, I hate to do this. Kirby Smart's press conference is about to start. I have got to go. They moved it up on me. I'm so sorry, bro.
1: No worries. It's all good. I'll, uh, I'll keep it rolling. We're chilling. All right. Thanks for the time, Brooks. No doubt, man. All right. All right. So Brooks had to run, but the show goes on here on the Ducks Dish podcast. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in wherever you're tuned in. Uh, it's Georgia week, so we know it's a big week in the uh, Oregon community and the duck community. Uh, and we still got a bunch of stuff to talk uh, about. Um, appreciate Brooks for, for giving us some of his time here to, to start out the week, just to kind of get a lay of the land here for uh, what's going on, uh, what Oregon can expect when, when they uh, get ready to, to face Georgia. Um, we're going to take a real quick break here for those of you listening on the audio platform, and then we will be back with more Oregon football preview for the big game against Georgia.
0: and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: All right, welcome back to the Duck Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, and we are continuing with our Oregon versus Georgia preview here ahead of the beginning of the 2022 football season. There is so much on the line, it feels like, for Oregon, just because there's been so much hype all offseason, just continuing to build day after day, week after week, um, even from press conference to press conference. But I think one of the biggest points that we're going to have to keep our eye on here is how does the Oregon secondary slow down Georgia's passing attack? Or maybe how, how can the Oregon defense, maybe that's a better way to put it, can the Oregon defense slow down Georgia's passing attack? Uh, because I think when we're evaluating Georgia, looking at the weapons that they have, you have to look at the the tight end room. I think it's going to be absolutely huge uh, for, for Oregon to key in on those tight ends. Brock Bowers could very well be the best tight end in the country. Uh, I think he's squarely in the mix there. And uh, he's obviously the big name at the position that everyone has their eye on. But for Oregon, if you're evaluating Georgia, you're you're getting ready for this matchup. He's not the only guy that you have to prepare for. Not even at the tight end position, you have a, a room that is absolutely stacked and has so much top end talent. After Brock Bowers, you have Darnell Washington, the six foot seven, two hundred and seventy pound junior out of Las Vegas Desert Pines. He's been a, a contributor for for the Bulldogs, and he's a matchup nightmare. I mean, 6'7", 270. It seems like, you know, you're going to have to put a defensive lineman out there to match him with that size. But Oregon's linebackers are going to have to come up big. And we're going to talk about a couple of those guys uh, later on in, in this episode. Um, but, yeah, you got to look at those tight ends and uh, see what you can do with the, with your linebackers, maybe some some of your bigger defensive backs. I'm, I'm thinking Triquez Bridges, uh Christian Gonzalez probably won't find himself lined up against too many tight ends, but he's one of the bigger defensive backs. Uh, Brian Addison, how does he get involved? He's one of the biggest defensive backs on Oregon's roster and, and they're going to need him to step up. And I think that he's primed to step up after what we've heard from practice. He's had some good plays. He stepped up as a vocal leader. I think Tosh Lapoy was talking about getting him, getting the defense in in the right uh, set last week and, and just looking a little bit more comfortable as he, tries to take uh, that step forward that he's been looking for. Um, but then just to, to wrap up this point about the, the tight ends and, and who else they have there, you also have Oscar Delp, uh, who's a, a true freshman. I'm not sure how much he'll play this year, uh, but he's an absolute beast. Uh, you also have Eric Gilbert, the uh, LSU transfer tight end. Um, and then I feel like with Georgia in this particular instance, that was just a rich get richer, right? Uh, anytime you can get someone who was as highly touted as Eric Gilbert was, uh, coming out of, uh, Marietta, Georgia, uh, I think that he's going to be a big, big bonus for this Georgia offense that is not lacking weapons at all. Um, but so we already talked about the tight ends. Um, I think that Dominic Blaylock is, is another person that you got to know when you're looking at the, the wide receivers. Um, I know that, um. I know that one of their running backs got banged up uh, this past week or so. Andrew Paul, I remember covering his recruitment because Oregon was uh, Oregon was recruiting him there um, before he ultimately ended up um, committing to Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to see what other other notes we might have as far as uh, uh, Georgia's wide receivers. Uh, I know that Georgia wide receiver Arian Smith suffered an ankle injury Uh, that was earlier on and earlier on in the month, but uh, reports on that injury said that he had to miss, he's likely going to miss the remainder of fall camp. And they didn't really know what a, uh, what a timeline for his return looked like uh, with that. Uh, We know that uh, Georgia lost. um, Oh my gosh. How am I, how am I blanking on this wide receiver? Um, transfer um let's see jermaine burton jermaine burton i think that was one of the big surprises of the offseason that you win a national championship one that the school had been vying for for so long that they'd been contending for for so long um and and then you then you leave and you join alabama i'm not trying to to fault the guy at all or you know call him out or anything but I think that was a really surprising uh departure for Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs seeing that Jermaine Burton was really one of the leading wide receivers uh for Georgia and then now he packs things up and and heads to Tuscaloosa uh you know a major SEC rival to play for Nick Saban and and the Tide um so he's gone but I think really it's it's a it's another one of those instances of you know, reload, not rebuild. Uh, that, that's kind of where George is at. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, Brooks about uh, Stetson Bennett um, because he, as we all know, he was a former walk-on and uh, he really drew a lot of, a lot of praise and a lot of criticism last year, even though he was a national title winning quarterback. So Stetson Bennett, I think that he makes good decisions. He's not going to blow you away with his athleticism but uh he's someone that i think is has proven that he's more than capable of getting the job done but maybe we'll see a little bit uh if there's going to be any quarterback shakeup. i'm not saying there's going to be for georgia maybe we see that in week two when their uh schedule lightens up a little bit like brooks was talking about i think he said Sanford was coming to town so oregon's linebackers and defensive backs are going to have to step up big time to slow down that georgia passing attack but since Georgia is such a physical team up front, we know that they're going to try to pound the rock. And they, they definitely have some some good running backs to, uh, to help them do just that. So that gets into another one of my points that I had uh, prepped here. Can the Oregon Ducks match Georgia's physicality? Uh, that's that's going to be one of the big determining points of this game. Um, we know that Georgia likes to run the ball and we know that Oregon likes to run the ball. So look for Oregon to establish the run early in this game against Georgia to really set the tone and to try to deliver that opening punch. I wonder if, if Oregon wins the kickoff or the, not the kickoff, sorry, if Oregon wins the coin toss, do they just say, Hey, give me the, give us the rock. Let us get the ball first and and see what we can do on offense. Let's, let's make a statement and go run down the field. And try to try to get on the board first, and just show them that we're we mean business, and that we're here to uh, play a physical, commanding brand of football because that's what they did against Ohio State. They they showed that they were going to control the line of scrimmage. They were going to run their ball right at them and, and slow the run down. And they have the pieces to do that. We talked earlier this episode about having you know four or five deep uh, across the offensive line as far well, not four or five deep, excuse me. Uh, we had all those we there's all those returning guys coming back. Uh, Alex Forsyth, TJ Bass, Ryan Walk, Sala, Stephen Jones, Dawson Mello, and I mean, maybe we'll even see Josh Connerly get some uh, some snaps this year. I don't think that'll necessarily happen in the Georgia game, uh, the very first opportunity for him. But all the return out of uh, fall camp has has been that uh, Josh Connerly really looks like the real deal. Um, I remember I was talking to someone on the uh, around the Oregon program, and and they were basically confirming that, you know, saying that. He looks like a—he's just elevated his level of play uh, from you know from the spring to to uh, or early summer, I should say, until fall camp. So the Josh Connerly hype is is absolutely real, uh, according to some people that are uh, close to the program uh, up there right now in Eugene. Um, let's see what else we have. I think another big point for this: look at how a deep Oregon is along the defensive line, particularly around the interior. Uh, yeah Pope Amavai, Sam Taki Taimani, uh Hudson Brandon Dorless, Jordan Riley Casey Rogers there's just so many guys Keanu Williams is is another one there's so many guys that I think are ready to take that next step and, and really just help Oregon keep their rotation fresh along the defensive line along the interior you know they have uh, basically a, a six person rotation there on the defensive line they're they're deeper than they've been before um, and it's big that they have Popo back and, and Dorless back um, and Keon back because Tony uh, Tuioti was saying that it's much more fun to coach his room when he has everybody available. You got to remember, those guys missed all of spring football with with injury or recovering from injury. So now that, that those guys are back and ready to contribute for this team, I think that that is something that gives me some confidence that Oregon will be able to. Uh, to hang with Georgia in terms of matching their physicality. Uh, if they didn't have that depth, then maybe you only hang with their physicality for a bit, and then you kind of see a little bit of a drop-off. But you you always want to go for that too deep, that dependable too deep. I feel like I heard that word a million times last fall camp, last time around, and it seems like it's a, a similar sentiment now uh, as, as the Ducks get ready for this uh, game one against Georgia. Um, but we're also, we don't even, we can't only focus on the trenches when we're asking about physicality and seeing where Oregon stacks up there. I know there were a lot of fans all over social media last year that were upset that Oregon's defensive backs were giving receivers so much room off the line of scrimmage. Uh, And that's something that I think is going to change this year. It seems like they really want to play a more physical brand there. Uh, And then one thing that bodes well with that is that Dan Lanning and, and Demetrius Martin and Matt Palage, when they brought in defensive backs after joining this staff, they have been prioritizing speed and they've been prioritizing length. And though especially that speed, I think that gives you a little bit more freedom to do what you want as far as lining up really close to the line of scrimmage, uh, jamming guys off the ball. Um, I think that's something that is going to help them make up for some of those maybe errors that they might have uh, or, you know, have some catch up speed if, if they get burned. So I feel like that's going to help. The speed is going to help with the physicality. The length is going to help with the physicality when Oregon is preparing to try to shut down this this offense one that I think is going to be very run heavy uh just because we know that's who Georgia is and uh because it seems like they're gonna they're still trying to figure a couple things out uh with with the passing attack not to say that they don't have options that's not what I'm trying to say we already talked about that loaded tight end room uh but uh Jermaine Burton leaves and then um And then you had that injury to Arian Smith. So I feel like they're still probably trying to get that, that rotation figured out just a little bit, but they're going to have some guys. They are going to have some guys. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. This is a team. This is a school that consistently recruits at a top three, top five level. So it's just going to be, you know, what, what, what former high four star five star guy, what former all American uh, do you want to turn to this week? Uh, But that said, Being a receiver, being a tight end, catching the ball from the quarterback, you still have to establish chemistry, and that's not something that happens overnight. Uh, But we know that Kirby Smart knows how to run this program and and that they're going to have a a solid group on on offense. So I more than expect uh, they're going to have a, a good passing attack, a good offense overall. But case in point, to wrap this one up, I think that Oregon should be able to match Georgia's physicality uh, you got to hope to stay healthy, obviously, but I think they have the guys to do it. They show that they can match Ohio State's physicality. Granted, it's it's a little bit of a new team, right? You have new faces, some departures that you have to try to fill those shoes for. Uh, no Kayvon Thibodeau against Ohio State, and uh, they won't have a Kayvon Thibodeau against Georgia. So who's going to be that next pass rusher that emerges for Oregon on this defense under Dan Lanning, Tosh Lapoy? I think it's going to be DJ Johnson. Braden Smithson's also squarely there in the conversation, but maybe we'll see somebody that we weren't expecting, uh, you know, show up on the edge. Maybe we'll see Trevor, my Mace Funa or a couple other guys on the edge there that they're going to need to be reliant on for this defense. I told you we were going to talk about some more Oregon linebackers and we're going to do that. We're going to talk about Noah Sewell and Justin flow. Uh, I think that these are, these are, the two, two of the best players on, on Oregon's defense, without a doubt. I think that with, with Justin Flo, it's, it's so interesting to, to watch the hype continue to build because I feel like he, we're, we're already seeing his name floated around with, with NFL draft conversations and, and he's only really played one complete college football game, but I will say this. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, I think, you know, this, I don't think I've watched an Oregon player or an Oregon recruits highlights as many times as I've watched Justin Floy. Like that's just the kind of brand of football he plays. He just gets you fired up, ready to watch the game. And uh, he, he he didn't play in the spring game, so we really haven't seen him since that Fresno State game, truly. Uh, but we did get to talk to him in fall camp, and then we got to hear about his heme mentality, uh, just basically where you kind of have to just carry yourself like you're that guy. Uh, and, and I love listening to uh, Justin Floy's pressers. They always get me super fired up. But those are two guys that are going to set the tone when it comes to game day, when it comes to kickoff against the, the Bulldogs. Um, I think that Sewell and Flo, more so Sewell, he's already established himself as one of the best backers in the nation. Like this, I'm, if I'm the Oregon staff, I'm saying, you know, there's still people that are doubting you, Noah. But if you can go out and ball against, uh, against Georgia, you're going to really cement yourself as, you know, no one can, can say anything about you. Um, I know he's looking to improve his coverage and just get better overall, but that dude's an absolute wrecking ball. Uh, I call him a cyborg because he just is always going no matter what. I remember he got banged up against UCLA and then he was playing the next week against Washington state. I believe it was as a true freshman in 2020. Uh, So Noah Sewell is no doubt the heart and soul of this defense. Um, And they're going to, they're going to need to play off each other. And that's what we kind of hear from both of those guys, really, when we get to talk to them, is that they they play very well off of each other. They match each other's energy. Um, and, and it's going to be it's going to be key for them to really show up for this Georgia game. Like I said, it's going to start the line of scrimmage. So maybe more so you're talking about the defensive line, offensive line. But I know that Sewell and Flo are going to be coming on some big blitzes, uh, trying to get after the quarterback. You want to get some hits on Stetson Bennett early. Uh, and I think that Flo and Sewell can really help them do that. Um, he's an experienced guy, so he's not going to be easy to rattle. Um, but I think that that's definitely something that you want to do if, uh, if you're Dan Landing and Tosh Lepoy on this defense. Uh, so just to just kind of wrap up some final thoughts here, I'm definitely going to do another podcast b- before the game, uh, especially cause this one got cut a little short, uh, cause Brooks had to run. Um, but, uh, but just to wrap it up, I, I think that I'm not going to go as far as saying that I think Oregon's going to win. Um. I think that they are going to be competitive. I think they're going to be competitive. Best case scenario, we talked about it earlier in this podcast. You're, is you come away with a win, but I think that there's it's at the point where I think you don't necessarily need to get a win for it to be something you can take some success from. Um, so I, I'm not trying to come off you know pessimistic or anything, but let's be real. That's the, those are the defending national champions. That's the the cream of the crop in college football. And I think it's a good way for Oregon to gauge themselves to see where they're really at. How, are, how much have they grown since that Ohio State game? How much have they grown since that uh, Alamo Bowl and those Utah games? Because um, I feel like you, if, if you come out looking like those Utah games, it's going to be a long day for Oregon. But I don't think that's necessarily what's going to happen. I feel like the mentality of this team is great. Uh, they're really bouncing off of each other and, you know, kind of bouncing off walls. Uh, looking to to get ready and and just surprise some people, um, and I think that's the that's the sl- Slayer puts it really well here. Win or lose, Ducks are going to surprise some people. He says with his comment, and I think that's going to happen. I think that the wide receivers really need to show up. I didn't really, t- I hardly talked to any offense because we were so focused on Georgia, um, but I think that Oregon's running backs are really going to show out. Um, it, it looks like you know from from some of the people I've talked to up at Oregon that there's not a clear number one running back right now. But man, that room is loaded, and they don't really need a clear-cut number one back right now. Uh, Byron Carwell, Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington, Sean Dollars, um, those are guys that are going to make an impact this year, Uh, and and Oregon has the offensive line to make it happen, and I think that you want to have the run game to set up the pass, and then don't be too reliant on the run. Take some shots downfield. Whoever is the the starting quarterback in this game against Georgia, probably going to be Bo Nix. You got to take some shots. You absolutely have to. Uh, you also want to take calculated shots and take care of the ball. So I think that's going to be huge. Uh, whoever ends up getting named the starter, uh, we're talking with Dan Landing later today, um, and I think we might have some updates on that as far as like a depth chart goes. Um, but uh, but it's going to be big. Uh, whoever wins the case in point, you got to take care of the ball on offense, and you got to force some turnovers on defense. This is one of those games where every turnover is going to count. It's going to be uh, kind of a, 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 you know, put up or shut up type of a deal when you turn over the ball or you get a turnover. Cause then the question goes to the other team. Can you convert off of that? Uh, cause how many times have we seen Oregon force some turnovers and then not be able to drive in and, and get, get a touchdown or have to settle for a field goal. That's not something that you want to do. And in a game like this, you have to take advantage of every opportunity and try to get on the board. I think cause that's, gotta be one of the biggest things in this game is can oregon put up the points it needs to to win this game i think that you probably have more confidence in the defense than the offense just because offense has been questionable for oregon in terms of just being balanced being able to pass the ball i don't think Oregon's going to be able to win this game if they can't if they're one-dimensional it's going to be tough it is going to be tough um but look at the wide receivers that you have. Look at the tight ends that you have. You have guys that can get you this win and that can keep the Georgia defense guessing. Um, And I think that with with Kenny Dillingham, with what we've seen, what we've heard, I think there's good reason to think it's going to be some good variety in this one. Things are going to get mixed up. You're going to have some interesting looks. Maybe you will even see some trickery. So I think that Oregon has the pieces to make this game competitive. I don't see them winning the game, uh, but man, what a big deal a win would be for Oregon if they were able to get it done. Um, So a little bit of a shorter episode, guys. I'm definitely going to have another one uh, when we talk more about the Oregon offense, but it was very heavy on Georgia just because we wanted to get a good feel of what that roster looks like, some of the big talking points around there, what Oregon fans can expect when they tune in on Saturday to watch that game against Georgia. So, um, yeah, sorry, this is a little bit of a shorter episode, and uh, you know Brooks had to run. Uh, but I tried to improvise the best that I could and, and just keep going, rolling with the punches. So that'll do it for this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll have more videos and another podcast for sure uh, before kickoff on Saturday. So please do me a big favor. Make sure you smash that like and subscribe button for me. It's a tremendous help for the channel. It only takes a second out of your day. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter right there at sports. You can also follow the Ducks Dish podcast on Twitter at Ducks Dish. And then just do me a big favor and share the podcast. Share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. That is the best way that you can support the show. So that'll do it for us here on this episode. Hope everybody has an awesome week. It is officially Georgia week. It is officially game week for the Ducks. And I can't wait. So everyone have an awesome day and thank you for listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast.